plenty of good room for us today to listen to God's word in the spacious pages of scripture today from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and abundant welfare they will give you. Do not let loyalty and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and of people. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not rely on your own insight. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. And then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one that he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, on this day of beauty, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O you who are our rock and our redeemer in a way in which no other is. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Since nearly everyone in our city has a Nat story, I will add mine to the mix. (laughs) On Wednesday morning, we had an incredibly upbeat Old Testament class, both because it began about nine hours after the Nats had come back and won game six in Houston, and because we were only 11 hours away from the opening pitch to game seven. Now, the upbeatness of the class disappeared once the lesson started. (laughs) As we were working our way through the book of Judges. And Judges is one one of the most challenging books in the Old Testament. One in which the people of God engage in violence against the Canaanites. And in which God sometimes commands and choreographs such violence. But around 1045, we turned our attention to the book of Ruth. And between the beauty of that story and the excitement of the Nats, we had recovered our upbeatness in time for the closing prayer at 1130. Now, I don't normally pray for a specific team to win in sports. But this was my team in my sport in my city. So for the closing prayer, I just blurted out, Lord, we pray that the Nats will prevail tonight, but that it will be less violent than what we have read in Joshua and Judges. (laughs) I didn't even close with the requisite 
but not our will, but thine be done. I just said, Amen. Now, I really didn't intend the prayer to sway the outcome of the game, but maybe it did. So be it. The outcome was good. What has been amazing about the Nats this year has been their attitude, signified by the slogan on their T-shirts, Stay in the Fight, and by their mid-season adoption of the nursery rhyme and song, Baby Shark, about a family of sharks who stay together, hunt, run away from killer whales, and end out home. Safe at last. Apart from the sheer talent on this team, which at times has seemed miraculous, it is their attitude that has led them to do what no other team in history has done, win four World Series games in the opponent's park to capture the title. The sheer joy this team has brought to our deeply divided city has made the tension of every pitch and the sleep deprivation of every fan worth it. Perhaps we have caught, through the gnats, a glimpse of what unity can look like. Today we are here to hear the last of seven sermons on why questions concerning the church. In previous weeks, we've asked why worship, why learn, why mission, why community, why organized religion, and why involvement. We conclude with perhaps the most personal question of all, why giving? Why give a substantial portion of our income to the support and work and ministry of the church? Why give? To answer this question, I've turned to the third chapter of the Old Testament book of Proverbs, a book whose first several chapters feature a wise sage teaching a young person, in this instance a father teaching a son, to prepare the young person to leave home and live independently. The parent seeks to impart wisdom the moral experience and trained intelligence of genuinely religious people concerning such human and religious virtues as loyalty, faithfulness, trust, and humility. When we get to verse 9, the wise sage says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. A scholar of Proverbs that I particularly admire, Christine Roy Yoder, writes or points out that this is the only place in the book of Proverbs where a person is commanded to participate in religious practices. She then adds, the community dedicated the first fruits of its labor and its harvest to God in thanksgiving and then used these offerings to support the priesthood, the widows, the orphans, and the aliens. 
the father is enjoining the son to participate in this communal religious event. Translated from the Old Testament context to our day, this shows that an important reason that we give to the church is to support, indeed to enable, all that the church does in its ministry. As I indicated to you in the letter I sent with our stewardship package, asking you to make a pledge to Westminster for the work of the church in the year 2020, in all of the years that I have been your pastor, I have never been more excited or energized about what we are doing today. The four, purser, the, four pers, uh, the four pastor staffing model toward which we have been working for four years is here. And though still fresh and new, it is enabling us to increase what we are doing in nearly every aspect of the church's ministry. New people are becoming aware of and involved in the two major mission projects of which we are founders and primary sponsors. The support of Joe Obermeyer, a graduate of the University of Dubuque Theological Seminary, now in his seventh year working full-time in programming for children and youth and social services out of a small Presbyterian church among the 5,000 residents of the Spirit Lake Indian Reservation in North Dakota, a reservation whose land encompasses as much territory as Fairfax County, and yet in which only 5,000 people live in three and four group-together trailer homes and villages throughout the reservation. It is remarkable that the local presbytery in North Dakota was able to find Joe and that he has stayed laboring in that vineyard for seven years. He is a gift to that ministry. And the bulk of the financial support for it comes from us. Likewise, the United Orphanage and Academy in Kenya which in partnership with the Reverend Stephen Shege in that nation, we formed with a Christmas offering in 2000. At the time, an orphanage of just six infant girls whose parents were victim of AIDS and which, has six, and which has since grown into a large orphanage and school that runs through the eighth grade, an institution as you'll hear in a minute, to which at least one of our orphans has returned to teach. There are other signs of life and energy at Westminster as well. By asking groups with which he was associated in the church, a newly elected elder, Curtis Powell, was able to secure the massive amounts of cookies that he needs. It's some high number of dozens of cookies, when he goes each month into the maximum security prison in Virginia to lead worship and to help establish a community of Christians in that facility, 
through the Kairos prison ministry. Because of having a fourth pastor, my ability to add an Old Testament class on Wednesday mornings to the New Testament class on Wednesday afternoon has increased the enrollment from 50 to 80 people total between these two classes. And we are more and more drawing people from the community and from other faith traditions who join us in this study of Scripture. Our music program continues to grow. Molly reminded that we do have more choirs than just the one that was absent today. But perhaps more importantly, they have, con- they have grown into spreading their joy, not just to us at our 11 o'clock worship services, but to community events in D.C. and in Alexandria. And now weekly into our own preschool on, on one Wednesday a week. More youth in our church are signing up for summer mission trips and they are signing up earlier. Over 20 families with children have bonded together to have dinner several times during the year to create a special community among those who are charged with the crucial responsibility of rearing children in our society. Our scout troop schedules most of its large meetings in our parking lot or back 40 because they have outgrown Fellowship Hall. And the number of people who are drawn to join Westminster has been on an uptick this fall. Much of this growth is due to the pragmatic decision each of you has made and continues to make to share a substantial portion of the financial resources that come into your household what Proverbs calls your first fruits, your wealth, your substance, with the work and support of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Why giving? Because giving enables the church to do what it does in ministry. And nothing else enables that. Without that giving, it doesn't happen. But there is an interesting translation issue on this verse from from Proverbs. Robert Alter of the University of California, one of the great scholars of the Hebrew Bible in our generation, translates this verse not honor the Lord with your wealth and with the fruit of your labor, but rather Alter translates honor the Lord more than your wealth and more than the fruit of your labor. Alter sees in this text more than a pragmatic decision to support the work of the community, in our our case, the church, because of what the church does. But rather, Alter sees a stance, a frame of mind, an inclination of the heart to honor God more than we honor our wealth or our work or inheritance that has produced it. Alter's focus ties back to other places in this third chapter, which you heard read, that speak of the heart. 
Let your heart keep my commandments. Write them on the tablet of your hearts. Reminiscence of Moses and the Ten Commandments. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Christine Yoder writes, To write on the heart is to make an indelible mark on the center of one's being, to etch the instruction into the innermost parts of who we are. Our giving to the church reflects the center of our being. It reflects our hearts. As many of you know, both Maggie, my, both my wife Maggie and I lost our last living parents during the past 12 months, our mothers. When her mother died last Thanksgiving, she left Maggie several thousand dollars, an amount that she had told her in advance. And when we received it, we promptly put it in an investment account to use it as a gift at some point in the future to let it grow and use it as as a gift to one of the several Presbyterian institutions her mother and father had attended or in which they had worked during the course of his 45-year ministry as a Presbyterian pastor. When my mother died over Memorial Day, I did not know what she would leave my brother and me. And while we're still involved in settling the estate, it turned out to be more than what I would have guessed. But then once Maggie and I sat down with the financial planner, it was actually less than what it at first seemed to be, which is fine. But these two events have led us to begin the process of redoing our own financial planning and of updating our estate planning and our wills. And we're not through with that process yet. Now, we are both more than tithers. We were both giving more than 10% of our income to the church long before we married 13 years ago. We both know that as we plan our estates and write our wills, we will provide something that we deem appropriate to, to our respective children but we will provide a significant share to support the work of the Presbyterian Church in some form for generations to come. It is simply written on the tablets of our hearts. It is who we are. It is who all of us can be. We're not special. I hope that the Nats didn't win because God answered my prayer. For if that is the case, and if we go another 95 years without a World Series championship, there will be innumerable crises of faith created in the generations to come. And I won't be around to address them And there won't be enough clergy around in that day to address them. I think the Nats won 
because of attitude, because of what was written on their hearts. What is written on our hearts takes us a long way home, safe at last. Amen.